cruising one moment, David Mould and different class were at the eye of the storm the next. My brain was telling me it was going to happen, he told me, but I couldn't do anything about it. Different class was knocked to the ground, and Mould cannoned into the fence. We ended up being wrapped around bloody great spikes and everything. My horse was smashed into the floor. I couldn't find him. At the time I thought my horse had been killed. I think we all walked back. People were just walking about dazed, really. I thought someone had to be killed. Guaranteed. It was just mayhem. By the time I got back, the winner was gone from the winner's circle. I hadn't a clue who had won. Though Mould could have been forgiven for thinking, like plenty of others, that the pile-up cost him the national, the outcome of the following year's race, when different class finished third, suggests he didn't quite have the staying power. In the Sunday papers, some of the most dramatic pictures featured the massive bulk of Lime King, the biggest horse Pat Buckley ever rode, lying flat on his back under the fence, his concerned jockey standing beside him. I was exactly where I wanted to be, Buckley, who was 13th going over Beechers, recalled. I got bumped in mid-stride. I was hoping my nag would go forward, because then we would have got over. Instead, the jockey was deposited on top of the fence. When he found Lime King stuck on his back on the takeoff side, the Red Cross people were giving me advice. When the mayhem was finished, I gave him a smack around the arse. He got up and shook himself. I had a look around his legs. No cuts, nothing. They walked back, totally disappointed about the result. If the leaders had little control over their fate, those further back in the field at least had a sporting chance of picking a path through the pandemonium. Eddie Harty, aboard the speedy Solbina, was one of these. It all happened in front of me, he recalled. It was a concertina effect, they just folded up. Solbina did indeed get through to the fence, but his take-off stride coincided with a gust of noise from the crowd. He refused and threw the pale blue-jacketed Harty off. It was here that the jockey's injuries from earlier in the meeting came back to haunt him. I couldn't get back up, he told me. Valuable seconds were lost before he was able to remount and address the fence again. The melee also ended any lingering fancy that Freddy might finally win a national. He fought his way through at the third attempt, but by then was so far behind that, in McCarran's words, I was in the next parish. It is possible Freddy, though a hell of a great animal to ride, was a spent force even before the entry fits intervened. It fell to his jockey as if it was a bit lacklustre, as if he had done it all before and knew it. It's a hell of a thing to take on, four and a half miles with a big weight on your back. It definitely leaves its mark. I came to the conclusion he had had enough. That said, Freddy jumped Beecher's only marginally ahead of a horse, whose name makes you realise that, had the cards fallen differently when the leaders started sandwiching into each other, the Scottish challenger might yet have pulled off what would have been an intensely popular victory. That horse was Foynavon.